Welcome to Zikhu Daf Siman Member by Avram Goldar, and today we're Mazakas Adarim, Daf Memzarim, the fifth parak, Hashutafim. So the three drops we're going to focus on. Number one, Avimi asked, Konum Labai Zeshata Nichnas Meis Oshmachar Lacher Mahu. If one said, Konum this house for you to enter, and he died or sold it, what is the halacha? Adam Osadabish Mirushusu Kushiyetz Mirushusu Olo. Can a person prohibit property in his Rishus for even after it leaves his Rishus or not? The Ron explains that it's clear from our Mishnah that one can forbid his property to himself for even after it is no longer his because he can even forbid someone else's property on himself. The Gemara here is asking specifically about prohibiting his property on someone else, which he can only do with his own property, if that nether continues after the property is no longer his. Rabba brought a proof from a Mishnah which states, One who says to his son, Conan, that you cannot benefit from me, and he died, his son inherits him. Since he only forbade him from benefiting from him, the property is not forbidden after he dies. But if he forbade it explicitly in his lifetime and after his death, and he died, his son does not inherit the meaning that he may not benefit from the inherited property. We see that a person can prohibit his property to others for even after it is no longer his. The Gemara accepts this proof. Pointing to the Mishnah Duff Nun Zayin Amadal states that if one makes a konum declaration on particular fruits and then they are exchanged for goods or money, those proceeds are forbidden to him. Rami Bar Chama asked, Amar konum peros aponi If he said konum these fruits on pony, what is the halach regarding their exchanges, meaning the goods received in exchange for them? He explained why it may be different than the Mishnah quoted. Perhaps we say that just as a person can prohibit someone else's property on himself, so too he can prohibit goods that have not come into existence yet, meaning those goods that were only afterwards exchanged for the fruits. In contrast, a person prohibiting someone else, where he cannot prohibit property that is not in his wishes, cannot prohibit goods that were later exchanged for the forbidden fruits. Or do we say, that exchanges are considered like their growths, meaning things that grow from prohibited entities, which are forbidden regardless of how the net was made? The run clarifies that the exchanged goods are surely permitted with the Raisa. The question is if the rabbis penalize them for making the exchange, which is definitely prohibited. And pointing me through, Vachabran Manyumi suggested a proof of a Raisa. If one says to his wife, Konum my benefit to you, she can borrow for her needs, and the creditors come and collect from the husband, who is hived to support her, but cannot do so directly because of his nether. The Gemara considers this arrangement of the wife borrowing, whereby the husband becomes chayv to pay the creditors, as if she exchanged his property for the loan money, yet it is permitted. Rabbi responded, Perhaps only where one comes to make an outright exchange would the exchange goods be prohibited. But if he did an indirect exchange, such as the wife's borrowing that creates an exchange after the fact, the exchange goods are permitted. So once again, the three points are number one. Avimi asked, if one said, Konum this house for you to enter, and he died or sold it, what is the halacha? Can a person prohibit property in his rishus for even after it leaves his rishus or not? The Ron explains that it's clear from our Mishnah that one can forbid his property to himself for even after it is no longer his, because he can even forbid someone else's property on himself. The Gemara here is asking specifically about prohibiting his property on someone else, which he can only do with his own property, if that nether continues after the property is no longer his. Rava brought a proof from a mission which states, One who says to his son, Conan, that you cannot benefit from me, and he died, his son inherits him. 
Since he only forbade him from benefiting from him, the property is not forbidden after he dies. But if he forbade it explicitly in his lifetime and after his death, and he died, his son does not inherit the meaning that he may not benefit from the inherited property. We see that a person can prohibit his property to others for even after it is no longer his. The Gemara accepts this proof. Pointing to the Mishnah and Duff Nunzayin Amadal states that if one makes a konum declaration on particular fruits and then they are exchanged for goods or money, those proceeds are forbidden to him. Rami Bar Chama asked, Amar konum perosa elu aploni malu bechiluven. If he said konum these fruits on ploni, what is the halach regarding their exchanges, meaning the goods received in exchange for them? He explained why it may be different than the Mishnah quoted. Perhaps we say that just as a person can prohibit someone else's property on himself, so too he can prohibit goods that have not come into existence yet, meaning those goods that were only afterwards exchanged for the fruits. In contrast, a person prohibiting someone else, where he cannot prohibit property that is not in his wishes, cannot prohibit goods that were later exchanged for the forbidden fruits. Or do we say that exchanges are considered like their growths, meaning things that grow from prohibited entities, which are forbidden regardless of how the netter was made? The run clarifies that the exchanged goods are surely permitted with the Raisa. The question is if the rabbis penalize him for making the exchange, which is definitely prohibited. And pointing me through, Vachabran Manyumi suggested a proof of a Raisa. If one says to his wife, Konum my benefit to you, she can borrow for her needs, and the creditors come and collect from the husband, who is hived to support her, but cannot do so directly because of his nether. The Gemara considers this arrangement of the wife borrowing, whereby the husband becomes hived to pay the creditors, as if she exchanged his property for the loan money, yet it is permitted. Robert responded, Perhaps only where one comes to make an outright exchange, would the exchange goods be prohibited? But if he did an indirect exchange, such as the wife's borrowing that creates an exchange after the fact, the exchange goods are permitted. All right, so now we get our Simradaf Memzain, and her standard simon is a maze. A maze. So here goes. The son running through a corn maze with a diamond that his late father forbade us not from, in life and in death, wondered if he could exchange the forbidden gem for other goods, because his wife's creditors were chasing him after he told her, Kona, my benefit on you. Once again, in slow motion. The sun running through a corn maze. Maze. That must be more enough. Mem Zion. The sun running through a corn maze with a diamond that his late father forbade us not from in life and in death, which reminds us, we learn that a person can prohibit his property to others for even after it is no longer his from a case where if a father forbade his property to a son explicitly in his lifetime and after his death and he died, his son does not inherit him, meaning he may not benefit from the inherited property. So the son running through a corn maze with a diamond that his late father forbade us not from, in life and in death, wondered if he could exchange the forbidden gem for other goods. Which reminds us, the Mishnah Dav Nunzai Namadov states that if one makes a konum declaration of particular fruits and then they are exchanged for goods or money, those proceeds are forbidden to him. Rami Barchama asked if he said konum these fruits on pony, what is the luck regarding these exchanges, meaning goods received in exchange for them? So, the son running through a corn maze with a diamond that his late father forbade us not from, in life and in death, wondered if he could exchange the forbidden gem for other goods, because his wife's creditors were chasing him after he told her, Kona, my benefit, on you. Which reminds us, Ravachar Bama Yumi suggested a proof that exchanged goods for a prohibited item 
are permitted to be used from a bride's which taught, if one says to his wife, Kona, my benefit to you, she can borrow for her needs, and the creditors come and collect from the husband, which is chayv to support her, but he cannot do so directly because of his net. The Gemara considers this arrangement of the wife borrowing, whereby the husband becomes chayv to pay the creditors as if she exchanged his property for the loan money, yet it's permitted. The Gemara answers that in this case it might be permitted because it's an indirect exchange. So once again, the son running through a corn maze with a diamond that his late father forbade his son not from, in life and in death, wondered if he could exchange the forbidden gem for other goods, because his wife's creditors were chasing him after he told her, Kona, my benefit on you. All right, so now it's time for Forbalabach Hazara. Daf Mem Gimel. So the Sinver Daf Mem Gimel is a magazine. So here goes. The magazine collector magazine, that must be more on Daf Mem Gimel. The magazine collector who could not lend or even borrow a magazine from his friend, who was Mudrahana from him, which reminds us, Abai explained that the rabbis decreed that one may not borrow from a Mudrahana for fear he may come to lend to him. So, the magazine collector who could not lend or even borrow a magazine from his friend, who was Mudrahana from him, was Mafkir and placed on a fence the rare Nadari magazine that was not available elsewhere, which reminds us the mission brings about locus, whether one can be Mafkir to provide goods to one who was Mudrahana. So, the magazine collector who could not lend or even borrow a magazine from his friend, who was Mudrahana from him, was Mafkir and placed on a fence the rare Nadari magazine that was not available elsewhere, because the friend wanted to read an article about whether there's a gazer by Hefker because of the incident of the gift of Beis Choron. Which reminds us, Rob explains that Rabbi Yossi's reason forbidding one to be Mafkir to provide goods to one who is Mudrahana is because of the decree of the gift of Beis Choron. This refers to Mishnah and Daf Mem Ches Amanof about an incident where someone wanted to invite his father who was Mudrahana from him to his wedding. To facilitate this, he gifted the courtyard and banquet to a third party. It subsequently became evident that the gift was insincere and still forbidden to the father, and because of this, Rabbi Yossi holds that rabbis decree that all similar cases be forbidden, lest the mafkir express his true intent and invalidate the hefker. Daf Mem Dalad. So the symbol of Daf Mem Dalad is mud. So here goes. The frustrated man who was mafkir's property that got covered by a mudslide. Mudslide? That must be on Daf Mem Dalad. Mud. The frustrated man who was Mafkir's property got covered by a mudslide, knowing that he had only three days to retract, which reminds us of Bryce had taught. One who was Mafkir's field may retract during the first three days, but henceforth he cannot retract. The Bryce continues that if he said it should be Hefker for one day or other limited periods of time, that he can retract without limitations until someone acquires a field. The Gemara seeks to determine if this is the opinion of Yossi or the Rabbanan. So the frustrated man who was Mafkir's property that got covered by a mudslide, knowing that he had only three days to retract, had second thoughts when his neighbor made a highly unusual hefker for a day, indicating that the field should return to his domain, which reminds us, Ula said that the entire Bryce can be the opinion of the Rabbanan. The reason why he can retract his hefker without any time limit is because this case, where he was only Mafkir for a limited time, is highly unusual and indicates that he intends for it to return to his domain. Therefore, we assume he also intends that even while it's hefker, it should remain his until someone acquires it, like Rabbi Yossi holds is the case with every hefker. So, the frustrated man who was Mafkir's property that got covered by a mudslide, knowing that he had only three days to retract, had second thoughts when his neighbor made a highly unusual hefker for a day, indicating that the field should return to his domain. So he arose the next morning and harvested his mud-covered vineyard, which was now Chayv and Peret and Olos, but Midaraisa. Which reminds us, the Gemara challenges Rachel Lakish's opinion from Abraisa that said that one who was Mafkara's vineyard and the next morning arose and harvested it and reacquired it is obligated in Peret and Ola, Shukha and Peya, and his Pater from Meiser. Daf Mem Hey, so the Zimmer Daf Mem Hey is Monopoly. So here goes. There's sore loser who is Mafkara's Monopoly board. Monopoly? That must be more in Daf 
Mem hey, ma, monopoly. The sore loser who has mafkir his monopoly board to two people and then tried to retract, which reminds us, the Gemara explains, according to Yossi, when Hefker is made in front of two or fewer people, since it will not become publicly known, it seems that the owner intends for it to be taken specifically by one of these people, which is like a gift. A Hefker declared in front of three, on the other hand, will become public knowledge, and Yossi agrees in such a case that it is immediately ownerless and he cannot retract. So the sore loser who was mocked his monopoly board to two people and then tried to retract didn't realize there were three people present which enabled one of them to acquire it and the other two to testify. Which reminds us, the Gemara records Malchokas between Amarayim about how many people must be present for a Hefker to be effective. Rabbi Yochanan said in the name of Rabbi Shem ben Yehotzadak, anyone who's mafker before three people, it's Hefker, but before two people, it's not Hefker, at least as far as being able to retract. Rishub ben Levi said, By Torah law, even with one person present, it's Hefker. And why do they say to be mafker before three? So that one can acquire it and two will be able to testify. This would ensure that the owner would not be able to deny the Hefker after it's acquired. So the sore loser whose mafker is monopoly board to two people and then tried to retract didn't realize there were three people present which enabled one of them to acquire it and the other two to testify and couldn't even go home through his jointly owned courier to Salk because he and his partner vowed not to benefit from each other. Which reminds us, the first mission, the fifth parak begins, Hashutafin shinadu hana Partners who vowed not to benefit from each other are forbidden to enter their jointly owned courier. Rabbi Yazibin Yaakov says, This one enters his share, and this one enters his share, which means that wherever each one walks in the property is considered his portion. The Gemara in Baba Kama explains that the dispute is rooted in Brera, retroactive determination. Daf Mem Vav. So the similar Daf Mem Vav is a cow going moo. So here goes. The two partners in a courtyard who vowed against each other weren't sure if they were permitted to bring their cows into the courtyard. Cows? That must be one Daf Mem Vav. Moo. The two partners in a courtyard who vowed against each other weren't sure if they were permitted to bring their cows into the courtyard, which reminds us, the Mishan Daf Mem Hayamabes brought him a locus, whether partners in a courtyard who prohibited themselves to derive benefit from one another may make use of the courtyard. The Gemara Ardaf states, but not Ropli. They argue whether partners vowed to forbid themselves from benefiting from each other, and the Gemara asks, if they vowed against each other, prohibiting the other from benefiting from himself, what did the Rabbanon hold? The question is left unresolved. So the two partners in a courtyard who vowed against each other weren't sure if they were permitted to bring their cows into the courtyard, which was quite small and didn't have a din chalukah, which reminds us of this machlokas of the Gemara was discussing a courtyard that was large enough to have a din chalukah or not. So the two partners in a courtyard who vowed against each other weren't sure if they were permitted to bring their cows into the courtyard, which was quite small and didn't have a din chalukah, but did have an all press which they maintained a holding in, which prevented a hana from them from using. Which reminds us, the Mishnah Memvav Amadal taught the one who is hana from his friend and the friend has a bathhouse or all press in the city, if the owner has a tefisas yada holding in it, it's forbidden for him to use. But if he doesn't have a tefisas yada holding in it, it is permitted. If the landlord retains a holding in the property, it's still considered his, and the user is benefiting from him. The Gemara here seeks to define what qualifies as a holding, a tefisas yad, which is sufficient to consider the landlord the owner. All right, so now it's time to conclude with our pop quiz of 10 questions. Number one. Which stuff do we learn that if one says to his wife, Kona my benefit to you, she can borrow for her needs and the creditors can come and collect from the husband? That's on Duff. Memzine. Good. Number two. Which stuff do we learn that one who is Mufkir's field may retract during the first three days, but beyond that he cannot retract? That's on Duff.
Memdal. Good number three. Which stuff do you want that if a father forbade his property to his son explicitly in his lifetime and after his death and he died, his son does not inherit him? That's on Duff. Memzine. Good number four. Which stuff do we discuss if an owner has a tfisas yada holding in a merchatz or olive press that one who is mudrahan not from him may not use it? That's on Duff. Membav. Good number five. Which stuff when Rabbi Shubin Levi says one can be mafkir with one person present, but three are required so one can acquire it and two can testify. That's on Dav. Memhei. Good number six. Which stuff do we learn that one of the after effects of an illness is forgetting one's learning? That's on Dav. Memhav. Good number seven. Which stuff do we have the question of partners vowed against each other? Are they prohibited from using their joint courtyard? That's on Dav. Memvav. Good number eight. Which stuff do we have a malchukas if the partner's courtyard had a din chaluka or not? That's on daf. Memvav. Good number nine. Which stuff did Rami Barchama ask if one said koning these fruits on pony? What is the luck regarding their exchanges, meaning goods received in exchange for them? That's on daf. Memzine. Good number ten. Which stuff do we have that since Hefker made in front of two? or fewer people not become publicly known, it seems the owner intends for it to be taken specifically by one of these people, which is like a gift, that's on Duff. Memhe. Excellent. That concludes today's shir. This is Rabbi Ram Golden Zichu. Wishing you a great day and great learning.